My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a very cold, wintry morning here in the capital, but I am delighted to say that joining me on today's show to hopefully add a little bit of warmth and brightness to affairs is Chris Ramsbottom, founder of the Amethyst Centre in Coventry, Warwickshire. Uh, Chris, very warm welcome to yourself this morning, and by all means, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure having you alongside me as well, Chris. Now, um, the Amethyst Centre, just to contextualise for those listeners that might not be familiar with uh, what you do, you're a complementary therapy and training centre based in Coventry, I believe I'm right in saying. That's right, yes. Okay, fantastic. And what was it that sort of really made you think that going and establishing an organisation such as that was going to be the way forward for you, would you say? Well... It's a long story, so I will put it short. Um, Ten years ago now, in 2012, I had a severe reaction to blood pressure medication, which uh, actually had gave me symptoms very similar to COVID. Um, sent me extremely breathless and gave me heart conditions. Um, and I was hospitalised and was told that um, if I didn't stop taking the tablet, I'd probably have about three weeks left to live which is a bit of a shock, as you can imagine. <laughs> but um, it took me some time to recover from that, as you can understand. Mm. But in at the end of 2014, um, I was just talking to a friend, and he said, so what have you got lined up for next year then? And I said, well, I don't really, because of set goals, he says, because of uh, the health problems. And he said, well, um, what would you say you'd do if you knew it would succeed? And I said, oh, I'll set up my own therapy centre then. And it wasn't really on my list of things to do with my life, to be honest. I was a complementary therapist at the time, but um, really it wasn't uh, something I thought about. It's just something that I, I said in the spur of the moment. And instead of thinking, oh, well, yeah, that was, you know, I'll just ignore that. I thought, right, well, let's run with this and see what happens. Um, so I ended up literally coming across the, the building um, where the Amity Centre now is by chance. I've been past it many times before, but this day I just happened to look up and there's a select sign on it. And I contacted the landlord who said that... Uh, he asked me what I wanted to do with this, and I said I'd want to set a therapy centre up there. And he said, well, I'd like to have a therapy centre there too. <laughs> so I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is meant, obviously meant to be. <laughs> um, mm. So we pursued it. Um, he obviously saw something in me that uh, meant that um, he liked look at me to feel what I was saying. Who knows? But whatever, we opened the Amethyst Centre on the 1st of September 2015. Yeah, so we have mm. we have three rooms for therapists to practice from, and we have a training room, and we started a, a training provision in 2018. Um, we were with City and Guilds and VTCC providing regulated training in complementary therapies now. Yeah, fantastic. And it's the first um, organisation that you've ever been in charge of, um, am I correct in saying as well? 
Well, as an organisation, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been self-employed um, for many years, really, doing uh, things like um, teaching people how to use computers. Um, I worked with um, uh, group of disabled people when I lived up in, in Yorkshire, um, working with adults with uh, physical difficulties and severe to moderate to severe mental health problems. Um, and that was all on a, a self-employed basis. Um, then I, I got into teaching um, for Warwick and Leicester Universities, and that was around community enterprise, because I had um, um, a, several years work in the voluntary sector ex, ex, as experience as a volunteer. Um, so I taught um, using that experience for several years. So the Amnesty Centre is the first actual sort of institution, if you like, that I've been the leader of. Yeah. And just because there are a lot of sort of younger viewers of kind of the entrepreneurial mindset, let's say, that do tune into this podcast quite regularly, I suppose a key message from your success in setting up the Amethyst Centre then is just to, when you have that idea, just take the plunge and just go for it because you never know how how um, you might end up. And obviously, if there are setbacks along the way, it's just about learning from them, isn't it? You didn't plan for this, but the idea came to mind. You went and did it, and now here it is. The centre's up and running and uh, doing what it does best. There was a lot of setbacks, and it was never really nailed on that it would happen until I got the keys in the hand. Um, I applied for one of the government startup loans, for example, mm-hmm. um, and took them eight weeks to tell me that I wasn't actually going to be entitled to a startup loan because it was too close to what I'd been doing beforehand as a, as a complementary therapist. I wanted it to be completely different, and I still don't see, don't understand that. It was actually something that was on the first page of the application, so that you know, a wasted eight weeks. And I actually ended up taking my personal pension out early and putting it into that. I do understand that uh, not every young person is going to have access to um, a sum of money like that as well. So I think probably there there are plenty of um, schemes for younger people like the Princess Trust or possibly even like startup loans. Um, So you just have to think, yeah, that was plan A, let's go to plan B. And then I think I'm probably the second time around the alphabet at the moment. <laughs> things always happen mm-hmm. and you have to be resourceful and think on your feet. You do, exactly. And I suppose that's no more applicable than it has been to the last couple of years with the challenges that the COVID-19 pandemic has thrown at all of us. We've had to be resourceful. We've had to adapt um, in that sense. Um, what are some of the operational challenges that you've encountered over the uh, the last couple of years? Because I can imagine that being, of course, a centre which offers face-to-face therapy, it's been quite difficult. Um, operational challenges have been many because we were only allowed to open in sort of the one the year, the 52 weeks between March 2020 and March 2021. We were only allowed to open, well, actually, we had to spend 39 weeks closed. So we were only really allowed to open for about 12, 13 weeks. Um we couldn't have maintained a presence if it had not been for being eligible for the government grant because uh, our centre is only, you know, falls under small business rate relief. So that's, that's kept us going. Um, with the 
training side, we took the decision early on to send it to um, blended learning. So luckily I had a, a member of teaching staff who was very into Google Calendar because she had two children being home educated. And so she set up all the teaching on Google Calendar for us. Not Google Calendar, is it? It's um, Google Classroom, that's it. Um, so we went, we decided to do blended learning and I actually want to carry on with that because it's a good way to, to learn. You, you have, um, you do the theory side um, a distance, distance way, so that's either online, via Zoom or via tutorials. Um, and of course you have to do the practical side hands-on because you cannot teach somebody to massage without actually getting your hands on the body, can you? Mm. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we adopted the blended learning model for the training side very early. For the actual therapy side, oh, what can we do? What I did do was I decided that every morning at 9.30 I would do a guided meditation. So I did that for over 100 days in the first lockdown, um, firstly on Facebook Live and then I put it onto YouTube. Um, I also decided that I would create a podcast, which is called Walking the Path. And that was basically aimed at the spiritual development group that we have at the centre. But well, it sort of took off because I um, I made a decision that I was going to approach people uh, who you didn't really associate with spirituality and ask them about their spiritual lives, which meant that I managed to interview um, one of the best rock guitarists in the world, Steve Hackett, who used to be the guitarist with the band Genesis. Mm. and has had a, a very successful solo career for the 45 years since. Still touring as well, and he uh, he's actually a spiritual healer. Um, I also interviewed Paul Smith, who was a, um, a player for Warwickshire County Cricket Club. He also plays for England in the um, short, short form of the game internationally. And talked to him about what happened sort of after he left Warwickshire, which was that he took cricket to some very um, interesting places, places like the Bronx in America, um, yeah, uh, teaching people with guns how to, how to use cricket, how to play cricket, and um, <laughs> uh, that was interesting. And he also went down to the townships in South Africa. Um, I asked him about angels, and he said, do you ever believe that you're protected by angels? And he said, oh, yes, I was protected by angels. But you have to understand that sometimes angels carry losers. So uh, that was an interesting perspective. Um, I, I would never have interviewed those two if it hadn't have been for not being able to open the centre. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> we also had, it? obviously, the, 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 uh, the therapist at the centre um, doing episodes of the podcast. And myself, of course, I needed to go first so that people could see the places where I was, was coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So that sort of mm. kept us going uh, as an entity, as a, as a centre. We weren't, um, you know, we are open. We, we reopened when everybody else could. Um, but people are obviously um, a bit reticent still to come out, even with, with all the restrictions with people are still um, very reluctant to come out and have therapies because they, mm. it is such an intimate setting. You are one-to-one -one with somebody in a room 
um, but we do take all the COVID precautions that we possibly can um, to provide a COVID safe environment for people. Yeah, and so that's that, you that, have to, that, yeah. That was the occupational side, the, the organisation side. Um, I have to say that neither myself nor my business partner were immune from COVID. Janet, my business partner, suffered from COPD and among other things, and so she is classed as clinically extremely vulnerable. So she was shielding for, she chose to shield for 12 weeks. Um, so that was very difficult for her. She lives alone. Mm. Uh, myself, I got COVID. Um, at the same time, my husband also got COVID and lost his sight as a result of COVID. Um, he now has his sight back because he's had two operations. He managed to get an emergency eye operation after eight weeks. Still emergency eye. But he managed to get sight in one eye back. And a year later, exactly to the day, he had the operation on the other eye. Um, but as you can imagine, we were both ill and having to take care of each other as well as ourselves. Couldn't have done it without the help of our tremendous neighbours who looked after us amazingly well. Mm. Um, the community where I live is fantastic and kept an eye on us. Um, I can't thank him enough. And that's probably the best thing to come out of the whole situation that we now in our village have a renewed sense of community, which is No, I agree with that. I think that one of the really striking positive things to come out of the pandemic amid all of the tragedy is that kind of sense of unity, that sense of community spirit that, you know, we're all kind of in this situation together and we are and communities have rallied together to obviously help each other. Businesses have rallied together to help sort of keep vital services running, have sort of organizations like yours as well. So I suppose that spirit, if anything, is the one thing that we should try more than anything else to kind of take forward from all of this. And it's probably one of the yeah. biggest lessons that we've learned, isn't it? That, you know, we can come together in times of hardship and when the chips are down, we can really bring the best out in ourselves. Yes, it's something we need to take forward because uh, if we, you know, we need to have each other. You cannot operate in a totally individualistic manner in this world. Um, we're not. We're here as social individuals, if you like. Um, yes, we're individuals and we have to look after ourselves, but we're also here as part of a society and we have responsibilities to each other and to... Um, our families and the wider community um, to work together for the good of that society. I think that's absolutely right. And I suppose something else that's quite positive that's come out of this as well is that we're a lot more aware of our own sort of let's say mortality, the fact that we're no longer sort of infallible even in leadership roles and I think that's positive, isn't it? Because we're talking a lot more openly about our physical health, our mental health when we're struggling. And I think that that's going to be good moving forward because it allows those, particularly within leadership positions, to show that real authenticity and that real vulnerability. And I think that is something now that's becoming a lot more accepted, isn't it? You can speak up when, you know, things aren't quite right. And maybe that's not always been the case throughout history. Yes, 
Um, I think speaking as somebody who has been disabled for a long, long time in various ways, um, it's now a bit more acceptable to say, hey, I'm not physically up to this. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with this. I need help and support in order to achieve this. And I think people are a lot more willing these days to consider that. And also it's um, more um, common, if you like, for people that you would never have thought had anything wrong with them or that people you think are perfect or immune or have it all. You know, increasingly people are saying, I, I have mental health issues or I've had depression or I, I really have to work, work myself up to going out these days. And um, I think that is, that can only be good news. Um, you know, we are all vulnerable. We all need each other. But the first step starts when we actually ask because we're not, <laughs> most of us aren't psychic, you know. We can't guess whether people need our help. It mm. has to be asked for. That's exactly it, isn't it? I think we are becoming more, more and more aware of these invisible illnesses, as we call them. But you, I think we people do have to speak up, don't they, as and when they need it. And when you do need that sort of little lift of morale, you can sort of show that uh, that vulnerability, absolutely. And leaders are sort of no more immune to that than anybody else. And I think we've also seen that over the last couple of years, haven't we? We've seen that yeah. when we're in charge of organisations and we've sort of been in the thick of lockdown we've had to really sort of step up and look after the mental well-being of everybody else. And sometimes all of that pressure can come to the detriment of your own mental health, can't it? So it's about managing that when you're at the top and also being able to sort of take that step back as and when you need to as well. That's very important, but it can be quite difficult when you are a kind of a get-up-and-go person or somebody that is quite motivated um, has it been easy sort of managing your own well-being from that perspective, Chris, over the last couple of years and being able to sort of take that step back as and when you have needed to? Yes, I'm more. Um, I keep a record of the number of hours I put in these days. Mm. Um, I mean, this is the amateur sense of my baby, sort of my my focus. And, you know, it's sort of the only thing I have to do with my life, if you like, and I chose it to be that way. But we, I, it also means that uh, when I retire, um, I want it to carry on. And so I have to now structure the business in a way that means I can step back gracefully from it um, so that it will carry on after I retire or after I leave it. And I think that's something that um, a lot of business owners need to get in place, something I used to teach in the voluntary sector, um, which I <laughs> must admit, I haven't been doing what I need to start doing now is from day one, whenever you set up uh, your group or set up your project, you need to have an exit strategy. You need to have an idea of what's going to happen at the end, how you're going to end it. Are you going to continue it? Where's the money coming from? You need your plans in place from day one, really, because the end could come a lot quicker than you think. Um, so, yeah, right now I'm trying to have two whole days off a week, which is difficult. But, you know, I, it's in the diary and I'll keep a note of it and I'll book it in. And so, you know, I have to be um, flexible, of course, because um, Janet is still Janet and has the LCD and, you know, she's not shielding, but she still has her LCD and I still have mine. Um, so we need to work together and support each other with, with that. 
it, you know, it's, it's um, you know, for me to now come up with a strategy to make sure that we are, are both supported properly in our health needs. Um, I think we, the job of the leader is to bring on the next leader, the next generation. Mm. Certainly with training, um, I feel it's part of why, why I set up the Amethyst Centre in the first place is to bring on the next generation of therapists. So my job as the leader of the Amethyst Centre is to bring on the next leader of the Amethyst Centre or the next leader of the next therapy centre. So, uh, mm. you know, it's something that I have to work out how to do now. It's exactly it, isn't it? I think you always have to have sort of one eye on the succession of the business, keeping it going for future generations. I think that's so, so, so important. And um, I think it's an important message as well to the younger generations out there. I mean, it's like it's our role to sort of bring them through, to inspire them throughout their careers, to develop them. And that's something that we certainly are very, very passionate about at our organisation, the uh, the Leaders' Council um, as well. And just thinking about the future now before we uh, we wrap things up, uh, Chris, actually, just because I'm conscious that we're starting to run short of time this morning. Um, I would like to talk about the immediate future for the Amethyst Centre. And now that we're coming out of the acute phase of COVID, what are some of your kind of aims and ambitions over the uh, the next 12 months as we really embrace this new year, 2022? And what is it that you're really sort of hoping to achieve before you start to think about handing the reins over? Well, I'd like to... I, I do have like a two-step future, if you like. I want to get the training side to a certain level. Um, we We have a number of courses that we want to run. Um, because we're a small organisation, we are limited to the number of people we can have on the course, which is great for the students because they get far more individual attention than colleges are able to provide. But then it means that we are more precarious for, for the numbers. Um, so I need to get that expanded. Uh, for the actual Amethyst Centre itself, sort of number one on my list is either expanding the physical centre or moving to new premises. Um, we are at the moment on the first and second floor of a property. It's not uh, the best place to be because most of our clients um, are ill and there's a lot of stairs. So we'd like to get into a ground floor pro- property um, about twice the size as we, know we have at the moment. And part of my job at present is to grow the business so that we can justify taking on premises that are double the size. So that, that's where we're headed for, and uh, mm. I would like to get both of those done by the end of the year. It would be fantastic if that were to happen, certainly, and you were able to sort of provide that just little bit more refined service, certainly, uh, before handing the uh, the reins over eventually, Chris. And I do wish you all the luck in the world in making that happen. And I think as we sort of start to see the unfolding situation, I'd actually relish the opportunity to catch up with you on the programme in future just to see how some of those aims are being borne out because talk about sort of shifting the business like that. I mean, it's brilliant considering the, uh, the really difficult couple of years that we've had. And I do really hope it materialises well for you. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I'd love for you to catch up with me this time next year to see what's happened. 
it would be fantastic and hopefully there'll be some real real positivity to uh, to share at that point as well and some real success yeah. to reflect on yeah for sure uh, Chris, thank you very much. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the uh, the program today. It's been a real, real pleasure having you with us. And by all means, do take care and do stay safe with all that's still going on as well. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. It was an immense pleasure welcoming Chris Ramsbottom, founder of the Amethyst Centre, onto today's show. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview just as much as I. And if you do happen to run your own business or organisation and have listened in today and you feel that you have your own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then we want to hear from you. So by all means, why don't you also apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, to all of our regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye.